2: Afternoon, Cherries fans, and welcome to this latest show here on Up the Cherry Store Departments. Now, fingers crossed, we have got three more points this weekend against Nottingham Forest. Of course, this show is recorded pre-the Forest game, as you can probably imagine, um, and we do like it up in Nottingham. So, fingers crossed, that's the way it's panned out. But on Boxing Day, after all the festivities are over, we have got the visit from Fulham. Now, a side managed by Marco Silva, who survived quite comfortably last season. To be honest, they did very, very well. And apart from a moment of madness in the FA Cup, could have gone further in that competition as well. Fulham did start off with a bit of a struggle this season which was a surprise. However, they have found their shooting boots in the last three games. And they've won, in the last two home games, 5-0 apiece against Nottingham Forest and West Ham United. So, there is things to be concerned about when playing the Cottagers. We do have a very special guest with us, though, for this Boxing Day Preview. And it is a pleasure to welcome onto the show from the hammy Ends, Alan Druitt. Welcome to the show, Alan. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. How
2: are you? Yeah, all good. All good. And thank you for joining us. Of course, this is being recorded pre-Christmas. The game is on the 26th. It's actually being recorded pre the Nottingham Forest game as well. So um, whatever happens tomorrow, who knows? Um, We shall see. But let's firstly look at last season because we both promoted together um, and you did significantly better than we did. There was, you know. A chance, well, to be honest, you should have progressed a little bit further in the FA Cup. um yeah. There was a little bit of a moment of madness. But what was your, what did you expect? Firstly, at the start of the season, and how did it? I guess it surpassed your expectations.
1: It did. um But the one, one thing we had that you did and was a decent manager to start the season off with. um We had Silva. You had not to mention his name, uh, but you had Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that was one of the main differences, but yeah, we, we would have been happy with 17th, especially after the last few attempts in the Premier League. It's not gone as we'd have liked. Um, probably the best chance we had of staying up was actually under Parker, uh, with 10 games to go. We were level on points with 17th, and we just beat Liverpool and Anfield. So you think, okay, confidence is high, and we never picked up a single win in those last 10 games. So I think if you'd have offered 17 to any Fulham fan it would have beat your hand off, but the finish as high up as we did was definitely a surprise. But I think the biggest influence on that season, apart from Silva, was uh, Joao Paulinha. Uh, he's, he's world-class. I don't use that phrase lightly, but for me, he is world-class and he could walk into most teams in in world football. Um, just having someone in front of the defence that breaks up play, he's just been a revelation to us. and. Thankfully for us in the summer we kept hold of him and we've got another task in our hands to keep hold of him in January. But it was a great season. Um obviously you mentioned the FA Cup game, mm-hmm. which again Mitrovic decided to to go away while he's very rare he did that for us, but it didn't help. Um but yeah, we could have gone a bit further in the FA Cup as well. So
2: let's bring it back to the season. Um, you know, a couple of years back actually under scott parker because like you mentioned there um you went the last 10 games without a victory scott parker for us was to be honest i could see some issues in the championship when i think back so there was a number of games we was beaten by derby county we was beat uh, well we drew against Reading. Um, you know, when really at halftime, we should have been about 5-0 up. And then, to be honest, because it was the only, we was only 1-0 to the good, they got back in it, you know, they could have easily won that game. And Scott Parker seemed to play this very defensive line, as we saw, you know, against Liverpool in that 9-0, well, annihilation. I try to forget it, but it's part of our history. It's one of those that, you know, we've just got to come to terms with, A 9-0 thrashing in the Premier League is horrid. Um, But was Scott Parker exactly the same at Fulham? Was he just so defensive and just let the teams pick you off at ease?
1: Yeah, he he always set up to not get beat before trying to win a game. Um, And I think that's the case with a lot of English managers, especially a lot of English managers coming through. Um, He was very defensive-minded. It works in some cases, but... For the likes of us in the championship when he got us promoted through the playoffs, and the same for you, we were struggling to beat teams, which if we just let our foot off the the pedal for a minute, we should win fairly comfortably. Uh, So I don't think he helped himself massively. He seemed like a really nice guy um, away from football. But, yeah, I don't think he'd be spoken about too highly for either of our clubs. And I must say I'm glad to see, see the back of his... Back of him, as I'm sure you are. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. We'll go on to last season
2: because, of course, Mitrovic was on fire. He was on fire in that season where he was promoted alongside us. Um, And the thing is, Scott Parker never really played him. It never really got the very best out of him. But Marco Silva, you know, turned him into the player that we knew that he was. Let's be honest, Mitrovic, we knew that he had the talent, you know, before he even kicked a ball for Fulham. But, you know, I think he just got the very best out of him. How big a loss is he this season?
1: Huge. And I think it'd be a big loss for most teams in the Premier League outside the sort of top six, top seven. Uh, he was fantastic for us. He scored well, uh, seven, well, nearly 50 goals this season We got promoted. Um, And any team like us that loses a a talisman like that is always going to suffer for a little while. For us, we didn't replace him. Uh, Marco Silva's done a fantastic job for us this season because our summer wasn't exactly smooth, plain sailing, if you like. There was a few hiccups. Uh, We never really brought in enough signings. We brought in four main signings, but I suppose apart from Iwobi, that's the one that stands out. We expected a bit more because we spoke about we finished 10th last season and we actually had a, bl- a, a good blueprint to then go, right, we can then see how far we can progress with this now. But losing Mituric, possibly losing Paulinia, it was all up in the air. Um, but that's just the story of our transfer policy. Um, but, yeah, he's, I think we've at the stage now where we did score 16 goals in four games, so the hangover is hopefully behind us. Uh, Jimenez getting sent off at Newcastle hasn't helped situations because now we're down to bare bones Uh, we rely on Carlos Vinicius and and Muniz to score the goals which we don't hold much hope for but if we can get a few goals up until the Arsenal game on New Year's Eve we'll be uh, we'll be thankful because we have Burnley first tomorrow and then you guys on Boxing Day which is always a, a tough game for both sides I think no one ever wins that convincingly or it's always the the odd goal in it. And I feel that someone like Solanke for you guys, other than Muniz or Vinicius may actually be the difference on the day, which hopefully I'm wrong.
2: (laughs) We did talk before we come on air about the recent form. And of course we've got Nottingham Forest before we face Fulham at home. And you found... them very, very easy going at Craven Cottage. A 5-0 win. And, you know, a lot of people would put that down to, well, Nottingham Forest aren't particularly very good. Um, Steve Cooper was struggling a little bit to find his best side. I think he's been struggling. Well, of course, he's lost his job now. But I think he's been struggling all season to find that best side. But you proved it, you know, only four days later with a follow-up five nil thrashing against West of West Ham. and that really signifies, you know, how good a manager Marco Silva is because it's all clicking into place again. Um, and I think, you know, as we mentioned, Mitrovic is a huge loss, but do you feel that Marco Silva is, or the club have spent sensibly?
1: That's a good question. Sensibly, yes a bit negative in terms of how much optimism we all had going into the start of the season i felt we could have done more it's probably the best way to put it yeah um we received 47 million pound of the Mitrovic um fee up front um it's not paid in installments it was completely up front um and we would have liked to have seen a bit more investment back in but as yeah. we, we spent 18 million i think it was in iwobi uh five and a half million on jimenez So we are expecting a big January, and I feel if we get a positive result tomorrow against Burnley, and, you know, we take a point, I'm sure, um, at a Vitality on Boxing Day, it puts us in a good stead for a big push. Um, If we can stay anywhere between sort of 10th and 13th come May, it'll be another very, very good season for us. Um, But we would like to see one or two additions in January, good additions, but most importantly, keeping Paulinia in a Fulham shirt. Jimenez, you know, was a
2: player that I actually, I I turned around at the start of the season, you know, when we was doing our transfer activity. And one of the arguments I made is that if something happens to Dom Solanke, we don't really have that many options up front. We've got Kiefer Moore, um, who I think is a bit of a target man and probably doesn't really fit the style of Andoni Iriola. although saying that the other week against Crystal Palace. He did show what he could do. Um, He's a little bit slower, though. But Jimenez is a player that I really, really rated at Wolves. A lot of people were against us signing him because it was something that was mentioned. I don't think it was, you know, any strong links of sorts. But you did sign him. And Hmm. did he take a little while to get going? Um, Because... I think he's an
1: outstanding player. I, I do really rate Raúl Jiménez. It did take him a while. He scored his first goal, uh, Premier League goal against Aston Villa about mm-hmm. six weeks ago now, um, and ever since then he's kicked on, which we was hoping it would. He, he looks like a different player with confidence. Obviously, yeah. we're not going to get the same Jiménez that was uh, at Wolves. You know, someone that suffers an injury like that is probably is lucky to be playing football again, let alone expecting him to score you ten to fifteen goals in a season to help you stay up ultimately. Yeah. But it's nice to see him playing with a smile on his face. He has got that that extra bounce in his step which he didn't have at the start of the season. I think that extra bounce in the step didn't work in his favor against Newcastle last week when he uh decided to take someone clean out. But <laughs> 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 I'm not sure how he got that high. But you know, you don't want him to lose that sort of side of his game. He's he likes to play on the edge. He's very attack-minded, and to be honest, you can see how good of a manager Silver Silver is because he's starting to get the best out of him again. Yeah, um, and I think that's the difference between a good manager and a, and a really good, really good manager is they take players and they need to sort of take them back to the next level. Um, and Silver Silver doing that with Jimenez. Uh, he link up. He links up play really well. He's not afraid to make runs. He's not afraid to put his head in. Um, which is fantastic, especially after the injury he had he had. Mm-hmm. So for five and a half million, we can't complain um at this moment in time. Uh as I said, it was tough for him at the start. A few Fulham fans were sort of turning against him. Um and as fans, we sort of expect him to come in as a a backup striker to Mitra rich Um, but as it turned out, he was sort of our main target man. And he was knocking at the door, but it's nice to see him sort of break the duck and he scored a fair, a fair few goals since, but he will be a big miss for us over these next over the Christmas period. Another player though that you signed from Wolves, and this
2: was a signing that you know surprised me, and I really really rate this man as well. Um, of course, he was on loan at Barcelona for a period of the time, and that's Adama Traore, but he's only played four games of Fulham so far. Is there much of a reason why that is? Is he not fit in style?
1: Injuries? It's all injuries. Um, but that was a signing that just came out of the blue. Yeah. Normally with Fulham, we get linked with a player and then we sign him three months later or six weeks later. He wasn't even linked, it, the signing just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, there was no transfer fee involved. At the time, we thought great. We didn't expect him to start much, we expect him to be a bit part of player. What, we've not even seen that. As you said, we've seen him four times this season. He's quick. No defender wants to come up against him, but he seems to have a problem staying fit. Now, I don't know if he's too top heavy, I suppose is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, his body's starting to slow down a little bit. Um, he's picking up injuries all the time. But if we keep him fit, it's an excellent addition for us and it's another selection headache for Silva because on the flanks we are quite blessed with the likes of Wilson, William, uh, Bobby Reid, Iwobi can play there, Andreas can play there. So it's not an area we're light on, but having him fit and having him rowing to go is definitely a bonus for us. And ultimately, it will help him and his score a few more goals because they seem to have a good connection at, at Wolves. And we- I would like to see him fit and ready to go. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen again. But- Hopefully, well, in January, we'll get to see him back in a Fulham shirt again.
2: It's a strange one because he can't be that old. I reckon he's probably about 26, 27 years old. Um, you know, he's got... He has a transfer to one of the biggest clubs in world football. I know that Barcelona haven't been particularly doing that great. But at the same time, you know, there's still a massive, massive club, you know, which... Any player that goes there is quite highlighted, aren't they, really? Mm. Um, So it's a shame, you know, that he hasn't really kicked on and, you know, got himself in the position where he can play week in, week out. But you did mention there a player, of course, that was at Bournemouth. He was a player that took a fantastic free kick. You know, there was a number of, you know, goals that he did score for the club. Um, But. He's really found Fulham's home, and that's Harry Wilson.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's a, a lot of credit again goes to Marco Silva. Um, we did sign him for what I think would turn out to be a, a cheap fee. I think it was yeah. just under twenty million, um, and he's had his issues with injuries himself, especially in sort of the last last season. But this season, he seems to again have just taken taken it up a level, taken it up a level. Mm -hmm. Um, he has been making a few sub appearances from the bench around half time 60 minute mark and he just changes the game Uh, he's definitely better coming in from the right but yeah, I I like Wilson, I have nothing bad to say about him, not scored a free kick yet maybe that's the one negative I will put out (laughs) Uh, (laughs) he's brilliant for us because a lot of people when you think of Harry Wilson you think he's quite one dimensional Mm -hmm. he gets the ball and he cuts in all the time But recently, I've seen more and more where he is starting to go both ways. He can cut in, he can go down the flank. And yeah, he's brilliant for us. He scored a fantastic goal against West Ham uh, not so long ago. Uh, It was probably one of the best goals I've seen live. And he has that in his locker. It'd be nice for us to see a bit more of that. Um, Hopefully starting tomorrow on boxing there.
2: Well, hopefully not against us. Tomorrow, (laughs) tomorrow, you know, feel free to beat. Well, to be honest, I think you'll beat Burnley hands down. Um, (laughs) Going back to last season, I want to link it in with this season as well. Is that two-all draw up at Craven Cottage? I was there, and of course, we got out the blocks very, very quickly. But it was an outstanding game to watch against two teams that were really fighting for it. Of course, Gary O'Neill was in charge at the time and he was in that spell where, you know, between that Liverpool game, and this this is what a lot of people don't realise, between that Liverpool game and our defeat against Southampton, which was quite some time later, you know, we had gone unbeaten and every other team in the Premier League had been beaten at some point. But one thing I want to bring it back to is, of course, the defensive side of things. And one thing, we did cut free Fulham quite easily, mm-hmm. you know, during that game. Um At the end, towards the end, I think, you know, if uh, to all, if there was only going to be one winner, it was probably Fulham at the time. He probably had a little bit more legs than us, if that's fair to be said. But, yeah. you know, we could have been further ahead and it still looks like the defence is a little bit leaky at the moment. But, like we say, 2 5 nil wins. You know, what's different between those games compared to some of the defeats that you've had this season? The 3-0 against Newcastle. Of course, you conceded 4 against Liverpool. Um, the away form doesn't seem too great, to be perfectly honest. But what is... What's the issues with the defence and how has Marco Silva shored that up a little bit in those
1: two most recent games? Forget the Newcastle one. Yeah, we'll try and forget the Newcastle one. But <laughs> I suppose one of the biggest differences, Reims started off the season Um and he deserved to play every minute. He was fantastic for us last season. Um But Issa Diop got injured against Sheffield United. And to be honest, at the start of the season, the fixtures weren't great. We kept a few clean sheets at the start. Um, we beat Everton away one-nil. Uh, we then we lost to Brentford 3 0 again, which was silly mistakes. But Ream hasn't been in the squad recently. He's been injured. Um, but then even when Ream was in there, we had Bassi come in. He played on the right-hand side. He Who's he, he may as well just have one foot. He's so left-footed, it's unbelievable. <clears throat> and you, you do miss that right-hand side I think Tottenham away, we lost 2-0. And both goals was his fault. So we've not really had a settled back for you. Uh, yeah. castagna has been playing a lot instead of Tete. But castagna has been brilliant for us. But now, especially those two games against Forest and West Ham, we had Tosin, Adarabioyo and Bassi playing on the right side and the left side, where they're meant to be. Yeah. And we just looked so comfortable. In, in both of those games, I never felt like we were under any pressure. I never felt like we'd concede. Tossing was fantastic. Um, and we beat Everton on penalties the other night, where, again, I didn't actually feel like we'd concede. Um, we, again, we had Bassi and Tossing. Tossing's been brilliant for us, but he's been injured a lot, and he's only just come back a few weeks ago. <clears throat> but the Newcastle game, we can touch on, because uh, Bassi was actually ill that game. Yeah. So again it's another change in the central of defence. Uh I think when we get a settled back four we'll be fine. Uh Paulinho can't seem to do it all on his own so I think give it a few more weeks and you'll we'll see the clean sheets start to come back again hopefully but we seem to be scoring again now so if we concede one hopefully we'll score two to to, to sort of forget about the one but no nah. There's a lot of chumps and changes, um, but again, without Leno, those goals, that negative goal tally could be even worse. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Just having a quick look as well at the home and
2: away form. And of course, in the last six games, you've won three, you've lost three. To be fair, the three that you've lost are against Aston Villa, who are flying, Liverpool, who are flying, and Newcastle, who are doing very, very well. But throughout the season, you know, you've only got three points away from home once so far, and that's at Everton at the start of the season. Is Marco Silva playing a different style away from home as he is at home, or is he keeping it the same? Or how how do you feel that he might be able to mix it up to actually get three points away at Dean Court on
1: Boxing Day? I don't think we played too dissimilar, to be honest. Um, the away form hasn't been great. It's the first time I've taken my son to away games and we've been to every away game bar one. Um, yeah. I'll let you tell me what game that was that we didn't go to. Um, but the Liverpool game, for example, um, we probably could have won that. We lost 4-3, but it doesn't tell you the full story. Yeah. Uh, one of the goals, I think it was McAllister. One of the, that's the best goal I've seen live. All the goals were outside the box. Um, and with five minutes to go, we were winning 3-2. On another day, we walk out of there with at least a point. Yeah. it um, said so the Newcastle game, you sort of write off, but all the away fixtures we've had, you look at it and you got Arsenal, Newcastle, uh, Tottenham, Villa, the top six. You know, so we are, as Fulham fans, expecting to lose it. So yeah. we sort bonus points. Bonus games are a bit sort of negative, defeat defeatist to sort of say, but you don't focus on those games as to pick up points. If you pick up a point, fantastic, but you sort of put it to bed as quickly as you can. It's the likes of Bournemouth, Forest, you know, teams that expect to be around us come come May It's where we need to start picking up points. Um, Everton, we'll, we'll finish in and around them, I expect. We beat them. Uh, we did it again the other night. So yeah, hopefully the bad away form will be rectified on, on Boxing Day, but we shall see. <laughs>
2: hopefully not, but you know, you, you can save that for the new year, honestly, don't worry.
1: But, <laughs> <laughs> but we've got we got Chelsea after you is our next away game in the league. So uh if someone said to me we'll lose at Dean Court and we'll win at Stanford Bridge, by all means uh Open the floodgates, beat a 6-7. I don't care. We <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just winning at Stanford Bridge for the first time in my
2: lifetime, I take it. No, fair enough. Fair enough. If it makes you feel any better, we've won there a number of times at Stamford Bridge. Um, so it's possible, it's possible. And yeah. they're not the greatest side this season. I wanted to touch on this <laughs> the Carabao Cup, uh, the EFL Cup. Um and you are, of course, in the semifinals. You have got Liverpool.
3: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: But do you fancy Fulham to potentially win it because of course he's. The other game is between Chelsea and Middlesbrough. You know, yeah. you would imagine that Chelsea would get through to the final. But you know, I've got a sneaky feeling that you can get past Liverpool.
1: I hope you're right. To be honest, the last five, six times we played Liverpool, mm-hmm. it's a it's a mixed bag. I think we've won two, lost two, drawn two. Yeah. Um there's nothing to fear, in my opinion. We'll be playing in Liverpool without Salah and Matip. Um why not? Let's just, let's just go and give it a good go. We're away first leg, which I think is a slight advantage to us because yeah. a night under at the cottage under the lights is—it's a we can we can make it quite loud, believe it or not. Um But if we was home first leg, away second leg, I'd sort of ride it off. But I just want to see us give it a good go. And I've said if we get through Liverpool, we'll win it. Um I think we can't beat Chelsea Sanford Bridge, but if we could beat them at Wembley, then yeah. I retire from football, sort of thing. But <laughs> it's, we've never come this far in the Carabao Cup or in the League Cup. Uh, the quarterfinals is the furthest we've got. But I just want to, I don't want to go to Anfield on the 10th of January, get battered 4 0, and then the second leg sort of dead rubber. Um, I just want to stay in the tie after the first leg. And who knows after the second leg um, if it goes to penalties. But Yeah, the dream is a Fulham-Chelsea final at Wembley and uh, and winning there. If someone said to you, name the team you want to play at Wembley in a final, it would always be them, um, just to sort of get the bragging rights over them. But yeah, it doesn't come any harder than Liverpool over two legs.
2: No, fair enough. And to be honest, it's always that dream, beating the team. That Well, to be honest, it's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? If you win that final, you know, against Chelsea... You know, I'm talking ahead here, but you know, <laughs> if you was to win that final against Chelsea, it would be, you know, probably up there with the greatest days as a Fulham fan. Hmm. On the spin side, if you lose it, you think, you know, absolutely gutted. It's a bit like England Argentina. You know, if we got to the World Cup final, it would be a dream. Let's be honest. If we beat France, and got to the World Cup final, you know, we would be absolutely late. Well. We'd be ecstatic, whoever we beat, really, in the World Cup final. But (laughs) if we got beat by Argentina in the World Cup final, it would be like the world's come crashing
1: down, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, that's it. And the the most annoying thing as a Fulham fan is during lockdown, we had Brentford in the uh, player final, who's also one of our rivals. Um, We weren't there to witness that, but we won 2 1. And it was actually a stroke of genius from Parker. Um, to get uh, genius, that was the only good thing you ever done for us he, um, <laughs> he worked on uh, a free kick routine with Joe Bryan um, and he caught David Rayer out to score the first goal in, in extra time but that's the one game I think if you ask any Fulham fan they wish they'd been able to go to it would be that one because again we were sort of the underdogs for that game purely because we had a mediocre manager and they have a, a fairly good manager in Thomas Frank um yeah. And we were going into that game with no with, with no form. We were awful, to be honest. But we won that. But if you can give us a final at Wembley against Chelsea in any competition, and if you're going to tell us we're going to win, then it would be probably the best day of any of our lives. If we'd have won in Germany, uh, 2010 Europa League final, I don't think you could ever top that. No. But I think beating Chelsea in a domestic final at any time would probably be up there. As number one for most Fulham fans, definitely,
2: definitely, Alan. I'm sure if Scott Parker is watching this, hello, Scott. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure he's probably just clipped your comments um, there. You know, the greatest thing he's ever done. You get getting the better of Thomas Frank. Um, yeah, to be honest, we stumbled over the
1: line the promotion season ourselves. Really yeah. And it's yeah. it's crazy to think like the talent you had in in your squad and even we had under him, we should never have just sort of creeped over the line. We should have been more than comfortable. Um at the night you came to the cottage, and it was a Friday night, yeah, Solanke scored, I think, after about ten seconds in the second half. Yeah. And then Tosin had scored ahead header late on. And I think Bournemouth got about seven yellow cards that game. Eight yellow. I, I think it was yeah, really hard. Yeah. Um, and I felt a lot of sympathy for you because it was sort of, we knew what Parker would do. He'd come, he'd sit there, he'd sit there, frustrate us. And I just think the talent you got on your squad, you should be sort of going head to head with us. But we never saw that. That the game at Dean Court was obviously slightly different. But, you know... Yeah, we both we've both been unfortunate in the sense that we've had Parker <laughs> as manager. I know he's mentioned a lot, but it's I think it's it's brought us closer together, the two sets of fans, I think on oh, Twitter. Yeah. Um we I think Fulham fans and Bournemouth fans, we sent we tend to have a, a good relationship. It's a friendly friendly rivalry if you like the Scott Parker rivalry. Um but we can it's solidarity there as well, isn't it? Yeah. We've overcome that. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully.
2: thankfully <laughs> to be honest, if we'd stuck with him, we would have definitely been relegated. And to be fair, to give him some credit, and by all means, Scott, feel free to clip this bit as well. You know, the best part you know, of his time with us is the first 15 games where yeah. he got 37 points from the first 15 games. Now, if we hadn't have done that well, I think it would have been playoffs well, to be honest, we were dicing with the playoffs, you know, right at the end, it just took that win against Nottingham Forest to actually get us across the line, but um, yeah, apart from that that start, and that Nottingham Forest game and probably his half-time team talk, which was quite inspirational, actually I, yeah. I quite
1: liked it, if you've ever seen it. You um, words. I, I did watch that, and That's what Parker can do. He's very good with with his words. Um, It's just, if he can talk as well, well, if he can manage as well as he can talk, he'd be right up there. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: the last bit I want to mention is, of course, our midfield is completely on fire at the moment. It's outstanding. Justin Cliver is in the form of his career. You know, definitely, and that's including his time at Roma and where else he's been as well. Um, you know, Alex Scott is you know coming back into the side. You know, it's very, very possible that he'll play in this game. You got Lewis Cook, who's playing that defensive midfield role. The goal for Solanke to open the score at Old Trafford, you know, he created that out of pretty much nothing. He had no divine right to get to that ball. And Semenyo and Tavernier are being outstanding. And of course, we've got Brooks on the bench. And Brooks, unfortunately, isn't getting a look in because everybody else is playing so, so well. Oh, and can't forget Ryan Christie as well. So we did mention at this very start, Pallegna. Um, I've just butchered his name. Sorry, Pallagnia. <laughs> yeah. You know, he is a quality, quality player. But he is one against a lot of players playing in some of the form of their lives. Some of the form of their lives. Got to be honest at the moment. How does Marco Silva stop those players getting any joy?
1: By having more of the ball. I think that's got to be the aim. Um, Because if Kenny plays, he's so composed, he's so good on the ball um having him alongside Paulinia again i didn't actually give him enough credit tom kearney he's yeah. probably been the main reason why our form has slowly started to turn around with those 5 nil back back-to-backs but for me if Paulinia's on form you, you've got to be on your a game to be able to to have too much joy through the middle of the pit, the middle of the pitch yeah um out yeah, wide is where you're going to get probably most of your success um but if we have more of the ball especially with the likes of Kearney, Iwobi, Andreas. It's actually going to be a good contest in the midfield. Uh, I think that's probably where we're both at our strongest. You have the slight advantage in the sense that you have a goal scorer. Um, ours is currently will be serving this third game with a suspension. But if we can think is, Bournemouth have been brilliant recently. I've kept an eye on your results. I've seen the highlights and it's good to see someone like Bournemouth doing really well now. Um, I think our small our small clubs, if you like to put them in a small Premier League club yeah in that sort of bracket we don't get enough credit for what we do um so especially your win at old Trafford the other week was phenomenal could have been five or six probably should have been five or six yeah um and yeah so it's always good to see the likes of clubs similar to us in terms of stature in terms of size doing really well um because we're sort of written off a lot. With the media, we're not media friendly, if you like. No, we're not really. Everybody turns around and says, "Oh, Bournemouth, you know,"
2: and because of our grounds, that you know, we've got no right to be here and everything like. That. It's a load of rubbish.
1: Absolutely, a load of rubbish. I'd rather go to the Dean Court or Sellers Park or Craven Cottage over the Emirates Wild Lane. And, you know these bowls, if you like, that are being built now. West Ham, for example, you lose your soul, you lose your identity a little bit. Um, And as I said, my son's only nine. He's been to about nearly 10 10 away grounds in the Premier League. And his favourite at the moment is actually Sellers Park. He he said he's been to Emirates, he's been to Wild Lane, he's been to them lot down the road, which I don't like to mention Chelsea. (laughs) Um, And Sellers Park's his favourite because it is one of those old-fashioned stadiums and we're actually heading down to to Dean Court on Boxing Day It'll be the first time he went yeah. he's well he's actually been the first time I went I think you beat us 3-1 mm-hmm. uh, back in 1998 I think I was only a small boy yeah. uh, we lost 3-1 and yeah not enjoyable memories but hopefully we can change that on Boxing Day and hopefully my son gets to see the first win on the road but it should be a good game and one I'm looking forward to yeah definitely well, I guess.
2: And it's it's difficult because, of course, we've all both got a game in between. We don't know what's going to happen in those games. You know, hopefully no injuries from either side. But how do you feel, you know, if this game was tomorrow? So, of course, it's recorded on the Friday. If this game was tomorrow, how do you feel that it would go?
1: Um a 1-1 draw I think it'd be a draw um I want to be positive I want to be optimistic but you know as good as we can be I've seen how good you are at the minute so I think it's two very even teams I think you you're certainly in the better run of form home and away um but I can see it being a draw and I don't think that would change too much whether it was tomorrow or or Boxing Day but I just want to see us win away no, fair enough.
2: Fair <laughs> enough. Personally, I think you know I'm not going to bet against my own team. I'm yeah. not going to bet against my own team, as you could probably expect, Alan. I think that we will probably will get the three points. Um, and I can't believe I didn't mention him. Actually, you know, when we was going through our midfielders, Phil Bill, Phil mm-hmm. Billin, um, who is going to get without a shadow of a doubt a standing ovation at Dean Court for what he did during that looting game. And of course he went straight over to Tom Lockyer um, and he won't come out and say what he, he did because he's quite a shy reserved lad. But you know what he did potentially saved Tom Lockyer's life. Um, So he will get standing ovation and he's a confidence player. And I think he'll build on that confidence And I think he'll grab one. And I think Justin Cliver, I think is in a good, good deal, you know, run of form, really. You know, I think he's playing some fantastic football. I think he'll probably get a second, but I think it will be a two, one win. I think you will get one. I think you will get a goal back. Um, but it probably does help that Jimenez isn't playing. Um, Hmm. Because I would be worried if he was. Like I say, I really do rate him. And I think, you know, once he gets a good runner form, which he was in um, before he's sending off, you know, we'd be in trouble.
1: It will be a a tight game. But I think it'll be a draw, as I said. But I would like to see a 2-1 win myself. Um, But I just want to sort of pay my respect to the Bournemouth fans after the reaction of the Luton game when Tom Lockyer did go down. Um, as a football fan, first and foremost, seeing um, <clears throat> the Bournemouth fans singing out his name alongside the Luton fans, I thought was a touch of class. Um, and seeing the lap of honor, both teams, I don't know what it was like being there, but sort of li- listening to everything going on away from the ground and not having any affiliation with with either club. I thought as Bournemouth fans, you were exceptional and, you know, seeing something like that, there's more to life than football, ultimately. Um, Thankfully, Tom Lockie is, he seems to be on the mend. Um, And I thought the clubs, both clubs made the right decision to probably call it off after what happened to to Tom at a playoff final. But, you know, I think something like that on a football pitch, no one wants to see. Um, I think, you know. Yeah, I, I just think what Bournemouth fans did was a touch of class. And as you said, Philip Billings probably has saved Tom Lockyer's life. And if we can sort of clap you as, as fans on Boxing Day, I'm sure we'll, we'll do that. But yeah, massive respect to, to Bournemouth as a football club after what you did last week.
2: No, thank you. Thank you. and It does mean a lot. It was the moment where everything just stood still. It was literally, you could hear a pin drop at first, you know, as soon as I realized who it was, of course, because I knew the history at the playoff final against Coventry. And when we realized it was Tom Lockyer, it was a moment where it it was just a horrible, horrible moment. Um, It was frightening moment. And I think the whole crowd, you know, um, Didn't want the game to start, restart. I think, you know, we'd had enough as fans because it was difficult to watch, you know, to take the football element out, a fellow human being Mm. in that situation. It was just awful. Um, But Luton fans have been excellent, you know, in their support of Tom Lockyer. Always expected that, but it does mean a lot. And I'm sure it will mean a lot to Phil Billing because without a doubt, and I I really hope that our fan base do give him a standing ovation because he deserves it. He is a confidence confidence player. You know, when he's not confident, he does seem to struggle a little bit. And I think, you know, he, he wouldn't be upset with me at saying that. But... You know, what he did in that moment in time, he should be incredibly proud of. His dad, Mark, um, should be incredibly proud of it as well. Um, And it's one of those moments you never, ever want to see when you go to a football match. It, It was just, it was horrible. But thankfully, Tom Lockyer, he's been discharged from hospital and, you know, is on the men. So... Hopefully, fingers crossed. I know. I understand from what, you know, speaking to Luton fans, he's going to be at the game, the Luton game tomorrow. Oh. Um, so I'm sure that they'll give him a warm welcome back. And, you know, whenever the game, uh, to be honest, I haven't really paid much attention. And to be honest, it was trivial when it was um, or what happened to that match after what we witnessed. You know, I'm sure once he comes back to Dean Court, you know, he is going to be getting a round of applause and a warm welcome back from all four sides of the ground. But you now, thank you so much for mentioning that, and it does mean a lot, you know, to all us fans. Before you go, um, I do firstly, firstly, one thing I do want to mention on is. That away shirt, that away shirt is beautiful. You know, (laughs) I I come to Craven Cottage last season, and it was one of those moments where you think, I would absolutely love to see our team play in that shirt.
1: It's (laughs) It's not bad, is it?
2: (laughs) Nice, isn't it? It's a nice, nice shirt. That one. Um, you know, we've got, you know, to be honest, our third shirt is lovely this year. And this one, it really grew on me. You know, I'm a little bit of a shirt person, you know, with all the designs. But the third one, it harks back to our history, the yellow and navy Mm. blue. Absolutely love it. But I would not be disappointed with that shirt at all.
1: Yeah, We did all right in it last season, I think, you know, once or twice. Um, But no, that shirt you've got on reminds me too much of a Gillingham shirt. Um, (laughs) We don't like Gillingham. (laughs) <laughs> uh, fair but, enough. <laughs> I do like the uh the third one that you want to Old Trafford In that's smart um, but for me I never buy fo- football shirts but this one it just it just looks different so you're sort of your everyday modern shirt um so that's why I had to buy it um but it's the only one I have bought in about 10 years not nah, fair enough. I'll get them every,
2: <laughs> I'll I'll get all three every season so yeah. Um oh, man, bit I do for the kids but then you sort of yeah. go well
1: oh, it's cost, isn't it? It's ridiculous now. Like if you buy a child, like even an adult's top with a net like I never get a name on the back for my kids. If you buy a kit with a name on the back and the badges you're looking like 120 kit 120 quid and you've got three different kits. Mm. And it's like <laughs> Jesus. It does mount up. Yeah, it does. It does. Before I let you go,
2: you have to tell everybody where they can find the Hammy Ends as well and a little bit more about what you do on the website.
1: So Hammy End has been around for nearly 20 years now. We started off producing articles um, and up until the beginning of last season, we started doing our own podcast, which is called The Green Pole, which you can find on all the major platforms. Um we're just another friend, fan friendly site we're the, we're the oldest in terms of Fulham aspects Um and yeah we're always up for coming on and, and talking football we love Fulham, we love football and yeah you can find us on Twitter it's at Hammy End uh, we don't have our own separate page for the Green Polk it's still fairly new, we're still trying to to work out how it works if you like but yeah YouTube's going to be the next stage for us, um, and no doubt we'll be catching up again, hopefully in the future. Um, but yeah, we're always up for, for for talking football if you like. Definitely,
2: definitely, and it's been an absolute pleasure, Alan. Um, all the links to the Hammy End and the Green Pole is in the description as well. So please, please, please do go and subscribe to the Guy's YouTube channel. Um, Please do visit the site as well. And um, do recollect, I'm pretty sure you've got some match reports, haven't you, from the past on there?
1: Yeah, there's loads of stuff on the website. There's the own, we've got the Green Pole segment on the website, which is still fairly new. Um, But as I said, my son is usually with me doing this. Uh, We spoke to a Nottingham Forest one. Uh, it's a gentleman called Mr. Door, who who um, yes. is an absolute top bloke. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, my son's nine. He started coming on the podcast with me, so he records with us. Um, we, we're actually going to do one after this. But, um, yeah, he loves it. It helps him and his, conf- his, his confidence, if you like. But, yeah, Forrester, uh, I, I have got a soft spot for, for Forrest purely because of that. So, I'm slightly impartial tomorrow. <laughs> nah, fair enough.
2: <laughs> well, hopefully, by the time this is released, which will be straight after the Forest game, mm. we'll have beaten them. Um, Mr. Door, um, to be honest, Mr. Door's been, more, uh, well, we, we've been winding each other up for years. I've known mm. him myself. And um, yeah, he's been telling me, uh, I think we had a bet at one point, and I think I lost it. And he said that I owe, him and the rest of his gang, um, chicken, in either Nando's or Hooters. It was probably going to be the second one, though. Mr. Door. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a great thing to do, you know. Speaking to fans, you know, up and down the country, and mm. likewise, I wish Fulham the very, very best of luck. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you can win the EFL Cup against Thanks Chelsea. Yeah. You know, (laughs) if Nielsberg get through, I'm sure you'll take it anyway if you beat them. Oh, yeah. Um, But, but, no, mate, honestly, thank thank you you so much for coming on. And it's been an absolute pleasure again.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me and speak to you next time.
2: Yeah, definitely. Speak to you later on the season, Alan. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this show. Please remember to hit the like, the subscribe, the bell button below to be alerted to any new videos we do here on Up the Cherries in all departments do also remember we've got lots of interviews maybe you might be bored on christmas day and want to watch say for example steve fletcher sean teal steve cook harry redknapp luther blizzard you name them we've got them but also do check out all of the rest of our content and remember we're on spotify google Podcasts, we're on apple music where you can imagine that we will be we are so do check out those and subscribe to us on those platforms as well but until the next one have a lovely christmas and we'll see you of course for this spurs game up the cherries and hopefully have a very cherry christmas